Uh, greetings. Uh, my name is Adam Draycott. Welcome. You're watching the online ministry from St. Augustine's Anglican Church here in Inverell. This has been prepared for the 15th of October 2024 and our sentence of scripture comes from Micah chapter 6 verse 8. The Lord has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly before your God. Part of walking humbly before our God is living a life of prayer. And uh, this online ministry is the beginning of uh, a few weeks where we're going to delve into the letters of Paul and see the way he models prayer to us. Uh, but before we come to the ministry of God's word, let's share in a time of praise. Coming on the clouds of heaven every 
As we come to the ministry of God's Word, please open your Bibles. Our readings this week are, come from Isaiah 66, verses 10 to 16, Psalm 127, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. I'm going to read now from verses 11 and 12. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as I mentioned, uh, today marks the beginning of uh, a series uh, on the topic of prayer. At St. Augustine's, we have five core values. Core value number two is prayer. That's right. Uh, we're going to look at examples of Paul's prayer uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, the right thing now for us to do then, of course, is to bow our heads in prayer. Let's, let's do that. Please join me. Our Father God, we thank you and praise you that we can approach the throne of grace, that we can come to you in prayer, that we can pray in the name of our Lord Jesus as you teach us to. And so we pray that over the next few weeks you would grow us in our prayer life, that we grow in Christ's likeness, and that we so glorify you. We ask for your help. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If I knew then what I know now, today, things might have been different. Is that right? Story of learning lessons. If I knew then what I know now, hmm... I would have warned the retainer that the orthodontist made for me and told me to wear after I had braces. Hmm. If I knew then what I know now, well, that Christmas that year, I, well, I wouldn't have bought Tanya, my wife, that useless garden waste bin thingamabobby, whatever it was, it was useless. It was garbage. If I knew then what I know now, <laughs> there's no way I would have had a holiday in Karua. That's another story. If we knew the future, that would shape our responses and our behaviour and all sorts of things, wouldn't it? If you knew how things were going to turn out. Now how about prayer? How about prayer? Today, Paul 
praise like a person who knows how things will turn out. And we're going to see why. And we're going to see how it shapes his prayer life. And so as we take up our Bibles and you open to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11, you heard me read it. With this in mind. And so we must ask, with what in mind? With all that goes before. So for example, verse 7. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with blazing fire and his powerful angels. With that in mind, oh dear. Or verse 8, when Jesus, the punisher, punishes those who do not know God and he will punish those who do not obey his gospel. Oh dear. Or verse 9, with what? He will punish them with everlasting destruction and are shut out from the presence of the Lord and from his glory from the glory of his might. Oh dear, with the return of Jesus in mind. Wait, but there's more. So verse 10, it's still on that topic. With this in mind, it's the day Jesus comes, verse 10, uh, to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all who believe, including you. Wow, what a prospect. Jesus will be marveled at, as well as all who belong to him, on that day. Question, did we marvel at the Penrith Panthers and their three-peat? They came back from the dead, 16 points down, it was amazing, and the team won the victory. And all who support the Panthers... Share in the spoils of victory too. Their delight is our delight. Why? How can it be any other way? Which means I need another bumper sticker for my ute. Another premiership sticker. That will make how many? Three. That's right. It's marvellous. You get the idea of what I'm trying to say here. But here it's not the NRL. It's infinitely better. The victory here is Jesus, the return of Jesus, when sin will be smashed and evil and wickedness will be done away forever, where the struggle is over, where everything that is wrong is made right, the curse is undone, there'll be no more weeping or crying or agony or pain or death on that last day. When Jesus will be glorified, when Jesus will be marveled at, as well as who? That's right, all who belong to him, all who are his. How can it be any other way? If you belong to Jesus, you will share in his victory and you will share in his glory because we're his, plain and simple. And so this is, this is when Paul says, with this in mind, this is what he's talking about. The coming of Jesus in judgment, in all his shared glory. As Paul prays, the day of judgment, it's going to be a wonderful thing. It's going to be a harrowing thing. Just depends on your standing with Jesus, just to be plain. Now, think, what's at the forefront of your mind when you pray? When I pray, I have to ask that. I mean, I'm probably praying, 
because of fear, because of uncertainty, because I need help. We pray because we don't know. Our prayers are so contingent and so iffy, iffy. Help, help. But not Paul, not here anyway. He prays in light of a certain day, a certain outcome, a sure thing. And here is a difference that might change the shape of the way we pray. Because Jesus is coming back, Heavenly Father, dot, 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 whatever that might be. And here we're going to see it in the example of Paul. Verse 11, he has two petitions. A petition is a request or a plea. Here's the first one, verse 11. With this in mind, we've talked about that. We constantly pray for you. He's praying for the... Christians in Thessalonica. He's praying that our God may count you worthy of his calling. Mm, sounds worksy. Let me, let me say what it doesn't mean. It, it's not worksy. He doesn't mean that. He's not suggesting that people need to deserve God's calling and earn his favor first. That's impossible. I know it's impossible because per Paul was the worst of the worst. He went out and persecuted the church until God intervened and called him by his grace. So he can't mean that. Paul prays, what he actually means, I think, is that Christians would live up to their calling, their name. That they would be who they are, be who they say they are. They'd put Christ in the name Christian. Think about that. Living up to the calling, of course, is pictured in verses 3 to 5. You can see it there. So verse 3, as he gives thanks for them, that they'd have the faith, faith growing more and more, that they'd be growing in Christ. There's a good purpose, growing in Christ. Verse 3, growing in their love for one another. It's increasing this love. Verse 4, it's persevering. Uh, they're enduring in trials and persecution. These guys are great. These guys are worthy of the calling. Absolutely. Here they have an enduring faith in Christ Jesus that is delighted to trust and obey God no matter what the circumstances like these Thessalonians. This life is consistent with their calling. That's what they're doing. And so verse 5, it's all evidence that God's judgment is right, that they're counted worthy of the kingdom of God. And so verse 11, he prays that they keep going, keep being consistent with the confession of faith. Do you see what Paul's not doing? He's not praying for wealth or success or popularity. He's not praying that they be happy. Dear God, I just pray that they be happy. He's not praying for health or that their problems would disappear. His prayer is driven by a desire to see the marks of God's grace in a person blossoming out of them. And so straight away I'm convicted. Do I pray like this? Do you pray like this? Do I pray like this for my family? For my church family, my brothers and sisters, for my kids. It's HSC time, isn't it? Dear, dear Father, please help uh, 
Jim Bob to pass his exams. Uh, dear Father, we pray that Mary would be happy. Um, dear Father, we pray for a good season. Lord, I pray that my kids would turn out okay, that they wouldn't kill anybody. That'd be good. Here is an invitation to dial it up. Father, I pray that my children would live a life that is consistent with all that it means to be a Christian. That their life would be compatible with the name of Christ himself. As God's children, members of his family, we pray for one another like this. Just dial it up, friends. That's the encouragement. We'd be increasingly holy. Pray that for me, please. Or self-denying. Or gracious. There's a, what a great thing to pray for one another. We pray that we'd, we'd be gracious to each other. That we'd be loving. That we'd have integrity. That we'd be steeped in the knowledge of God and His Word. And delighted to trust and obey our Heavenly Father. That's the first petition. Here's the second one. Verse 11b, that God, by his power, might bring to fruition um, each Christian's good, faith-prompted purposes. I framed it that deliberately that way. So you could see that when he says, um, uh, your every good desire, or your every de desire for goodness, you're talking about Christians here. Now, what does Paul mean? Well, let me. I actually think he's just praying that God would bear fruit in the lives of all Christians, all brothers and sisters, particularly this lot. And because we know that Jesus' return, we know what it'll be like, well, then we can ask that God will be at work in our midst as we wait for his return. See, when we consider, you know, how can I get my friend along? to the men's event, or the women's event, or even a church. Or when I'm wondering, how could I sit down, who, who could I sit down with and read the Bible and pray with each week? Who do I know that I could actually love in a Christ-like way? Who could I have a God conversation with? When I consider those things, they're good purposes, aren't they? And they're all prompted by faith in Jesus. Of course, you don't do them in isolation on your own like we're a lone ranger. We do them together as a family, but we do them under God, don't we? Because unless God works in us and through us, unless God is in it, empowering these good purposes that we have, good intentions, unless God's in it, they'll come to nothing. That's Psalm 127 that you might have read. Reminds us that unless the Lord builds the house, you're just building in vain. You're wasting energy. All of this ministry we do together is God's. We're dependent on God to fulfill the work, whether it's children's ministry or men's women's ministry, our ministry to our seniors or our youth. And so we need to ask God as we pray that by his great power, he might bring these good purposes, these faith-prompted acts to abundant fruitfulness.
Why? Because Jesus come back. Why? Because this is how he's glorified. It's, it's about him. But it doesn't finish there. Wait, there's more. Look at verse 12. See the goal? Verse 12. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. Paul's prayer, his purpose is to seek the glory, the glorification of our Lord Jesus. That's the ultimate end. That he be glorified through the growing maturity and fruitfulness of believers. So again, here at Inverell Anglican, growing in Christ is our purpose. As we grow in Christ, we become more like Jesus. As we become more like Jesus, God is glorified. Great purpose to have. But here should be the whole desire for each of us that Jesus Christ is praised, not me. It's not my glory, it's all his. Now I need to quote a Christian author. Don Carson, you might have heard of him, he said... It's always a wretched bastardization of our goals when we want to win glory for ourselves instead of for him. How's that for a quote? Let me say it again. It is always a wretched bastardization of our goals when we want to win glory for ourselves instead of for him. Too true. The desire to be central is at the heart of all sin. It is ungodly. It is not all about you. It's not all about me. When we serve at church, in whatever capacity, and there are many, many uh, opportunities to serve. But when we do, whether it's music or preaching or visiting or seeing the sick or going to youth group or pouring cups of tea or mowing a lawn, whatever it is, when we do any of these things with a secret desire that we might be praised and thanked and told how good we are uh, for our godliness and service, um, when that is the hope, well, that is, that's bankrupt. It's bankrupt. When we take on Christian service, thinking it will make us central, we paganise it. Jesus must be central. It must be for him. Jesus must be the ground and the goal of our very existence. Here is the goal, that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. And so that's the goal of verse 12, Jesus glorified. Do you see the next bit though in verse 12? What's the next bit? Four words. And you in him. And we go, oh, what does that mean? It means that one day we will be glorified in Jesus. One day we'll be made perfect. One day we will enjoy resurrection bodies of the same order 
as Jesus' resurrection body. One day we will live in the splendor of the new heaven and the new earth, a new creation where there is no taint or spot because all sin and decay has been purged away, where we're enjoying the perfection of God's unshaded presence. But Paul insists that even now, we are being transformed into his likeness. Even now, it's a present reality with ever-increasing glory. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. That is you in him stuff. When we are glorified, it's because we're being made more like Jesus. We're strengthened and empowered to display characteristics that we would not otherwise have. That's the goal that Paul attaches to these petitions. He wants Christians to be glorified not only at the end, but now, as they prepare for the end and are progressively transformed from glory to glory in anticipation of what will be. That's the goal, that Christ might be glorified in us and we in him. So I say it again, growing in Christ is a terrific purpose statement for a church family. But brothers and sisters, let me ask you, when was the last time you prayed like this? Have you ever prayed like this? Have I ever prayed like this? Dear Father God, I pray that we would all grow in Christ's likeness. Well, we've prayed that. We get that right. But here the why is clarified a bit more. It's because we should know the end. Dear Father, I pray that we live such lives that you are glorified. There's a good prayer too. And where does he get this confidence? Like he knows how things are going to turn out? Well, verse 12, according to grace. Grace is God's gift of undeserved favour. Jesus, the sinless, spotless one, died for sinners. So if we trust Jesus, we'll be marvelling instead of burning come judgment day. That's, that's what's before us. And so we need constant reminding that just as we are saved by grace, we are also transformed and glorified on account of grace. It's only by grace that Paul approaches God and asks him for anything. We become fruitful by grace. We persevere by grace. We mature by grace. By grace, we grow to love one another more and more. And by grace, we value holiness and hunger to understand God, uh, God better through his word. It's not a sprinkle of grace here and there, like it's a magic, magic dust to help me from time to time. This is not how Paul sees it. He has the whole picture of you. We received grace in the past when he called us, and now grace is to permeate every aspect of our lives, its direction until we go to our ultimate home in the new heaven and the new earth. He sees the end. He sees Jesus' return and so grasps what kind of lives we should be living in light of the end. His prayer 
the petitions, the goals are perfectly aligned with this vision and they are all grounded in God's grace. Through all of this, he sees the grace of God as a must at every point of our lives, working in us and through us, through us and carrying us to the very end. Let me finish with a story about Florence Chadwick. Do you know who she is? She is the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. She wanted to swim from Catalina Island, 26 miles to the, to the coast of California. And so on a wet, foggy day, she gave it a go and she could barely see the boats beside it. And after 15 hours, she wanted out, but the coach spurred her on telling her the end is not far away. But guess what? She stopped. She got out with about a mile to go. Only a mile to go. She later said, no excuses. But if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. And two months later, she did. The same thick fog set in. She said that while she swam, she kept a mental image of the shoreline in her mind. She didn't lose sight of the shore because she remained focused on it in her mind. And in this way, she reached her goal. Do you, do you see the point of this story? See, what is at the heart of our prayers? For Paul, it's the finish line of Jesus' return, that vision of, well, everlasting destruction or marvellous glory that impacts his prayers. Does it impact yours or mine? I mean, we know how things are going to turn out. The Bible tells us. And so do we cling to grace? Do we pray on account of grace? Father, please be so at work in people's lives that you count them worthy of your kingdom. Because Jesus is coming back. Do we pray, uh, please do this so that the precious name of Jesus is glorified in them and then in you? Because Jesus is coming back. Do you ask these things with confidence and assurance on account of God's good grace? Because Jesus is coming back. Let me, let's bow our heads and let me lead you in prayer. Father, thank you for your grace that on account of the saving work of Jesus, you call us to be your people. Please be so at work in us by your Spirit that our lives would reflect your calling, that our lives would produce your fruit for your kingdom. And we ask this so that the precious name of Jesus would be glorified in us and us in him. And we ask this on the basis of your generous gift of grace. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Give us eyes to see you answer prayer this day. Hear us praise all you've done. We rejoice as we receive the victory So we pray in faith, your will be done. As we long to see your kingdom come, we ask with one voice. We ask with one voice. We ask with one voice. Through Jesus Christ. to that time in our service where I invite you to pray. Uh, please don't not pray. Uh, you have examples from the scriptures. Uh, maybe you have a prayer book lying around at home. Take it up. Uh, work through uh, the, the, the order of morning prayer. There's some terrific prayers in there that are a great help uh, to all of us and serve us well. Uh, so please make use of them. Uh, if you're struggling with prayer, uh, my big tip is just to start by having a concerted time of thankfulness and making a list and thanking God for all those good things uh, uh, that, that you enjoy in your life. Um, and it stops us from taking anything for granted. Uh, pray in light of what we've read today. Pray in light of what you've heard through the ministry of God's Word. And um, most of all, thank God for Jesus uh, and his grace to us, uh, that come the end, uh, we know that we belong to him. Um, and, and so that's a great comfort, a great hope, great assurance for us. And so how can we not pray? Uh, friends, take a moment to pray.
the words of this blessing, the words of encouragement come from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice, brothers and sisters, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God bless everyone.